This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am your host, Alex Fitton, and I'm here showing off my friends from different types and discussing how the Enneagram influences our adoption journeys through this whole season seven of AMP. This is episode nine of season seven, and that makes episode 102 all together. I am thrilled to be talking today about the most popular number on the Enneagram because it is believed to hold more people than any other type, the sixes. And my guest is the one and only Haley Kuhn from Restoration Threads. You may remember her story and heart and mission from episode 71. And today she's going to share with us what it's like to be a six on this wild adoption ride. So with that said, here's an overview of Enneagram type six. Enneagram sixes are called the loyalists. They are noted by a basic desire to have security and to feel supported and the basic fear of being reckless, unsafe, or unwise. Sixes are true to their name and hold fierce loyalty in high regard. They are generous, hardworking, and reliable. They give a ton of merit to being steadfast and heavily avoid change or disruption to their felt safety. Although there are many positive aspects of being a six, one of the most common notabilities in the Enneagram world is their main motivator, fear. Fear, security, and safety peppered their thought process for all of their decision-making, opinions, and choices. They're considered to be the most courageous number on the Enneagram because of the deficit of bravery that they wake up with every day and their resolve to face the world anyway. So like I said, sixes see the world through a lens of felt security. Similarly to how one see the world through the lens of their inner critic and go through life almost forgetting that it's there, or how fives learn to budget their energy and time without a second thought, sixes learn to think of the worst case scenario and mentally prepare for it without even processing that they're doing it. I once talked to a six friend of mine and she said that when she drives, her mind is constantly racing with everything that could go wrong and how she would handle it and keep her and her kids safe. Sixes are in the thinking or head triad, but because they are the middle number for their triad, they are repressed in their motivator. They are instinct driven, supported by feeling and thinking repressed. This means that sixes will take in information using their triad motivator thinking, but then lose the ability to use rational thought to process the information. They will instead react emotionally through the lens of felt fear and security. They join other thinking repressed numbers, one and two, in the dependent stance, meaning that their decisions and actions are based on external factors and the behavior of others. To sixes, these factors include responsibilities, obligations, and the common good of everyone around them. Sixes can wing to five and seven. Six wing fives are called the guardian. These types are typically more serious, studious, and calculated than their wing seven counterparts. They can be seen as more intellectual, independent, and more skeptical while still remaining loyal to those that they trust. Six wing sevens are called the confidant. They are more sociable, engaging, and relatable, and they seek to help others and make them feel as secure and comfortable as they do. For this reason, six wing sevens can sometimes mistype as twos. 
All right, let's chat about our three variants, self-preservation, social, and sexual or one-to-one. Self-preservation sixes are more likely to attach themselves to someone they feel can protect them. They will apply their natural loyalty to whoever they feel safest with. Social sixes are more motivated by attaching themselves to a group and adjusting their actions and opinions to benefit the group. Sexual sixes will tend to focus on bettering themselves in order to self-protect and to be better for those closest to them. Think of trying to buff up or use your beauty in order to feel secure and ensure that your needs are met. Okay, so in stress, sixes go to three, the achiever. They will, in essence, attempt to outwork their anxieties. They will become more competitive and more deflective of faults and responsibilities in order to self-protect. In security, however, sixes go to nine, the peacemaker. They will become more relaxed, calm, and optimistic. They will find more balance between the scary world and the peace that comes with their own preparedness. Before we jump into the conversation with Haley, I want to make sure that you are on the list to receive weekly emails from me. When you sign up for Alex Mail, which is totally free, by the way, you're getting a special note from me right in your inbox, as well as links to the episodes, behind the scenes info, and more. So head to the adoptivemompodcast.com slash community now to sign up. Okay, let's go talk to Haley. All right, everyone, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast, and I'm really excited to welcome back my guest, Haley Kuhn. Welcome back to the show, Haley. Thank you. It's so fun to be back. I know. I'm so excited. I feel like we've been able to uh, connect on social media a lot because, I mean, you're just constantly doing really cool stuff. And so, uh, plus you have you have two accounts, so that's really interesting because I never, like, I'll see something from one of your accounts and then the other one. And uh Yes. I always forget which one to tap. You're my real life Facebook friend. Yes. <laughs> two. The yeah. In club. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you have two accounts because you own a company called Restoration Threads. And maybe just take a second to remind everyone who maybe hasn't listened to your episode yet, which they totally should, or um, <laughs> or just needs a refresher on who you are and what you do. Um, perfect. Yeah, I'm Haley Kuhn. Um, glad to be back. Yeah, adoptive. Mom, three bio, and then our little one we adopted two years ago. But yeah, Restoration Threads, um, it's a t-shirt company, but really it is an awareness. It's a nonprofit where um, every month I pick a different foster care nonprofit and I share about them on social media and brag all about them, let people know what they can do to support them. And then I also sell shirts and the proceeds from those shirt sales go to that organization of the month. So we're on organization number 25 already. Um, so all over the country just have done different nonprofits. It's been really fun. So, so I do on my free time. (laughs) So cool. And you, you know, it hits a little close to home because you did, uh, um, project zero one time, which is like, that's how we got into the project zero. Oh yes. After I had you on, Christy was on as well. And so, um, yeah, I just I oh, she's like a hero of mine. Yes, oh, I yeah. read her book. She's amazing. Sobbed. Yes, she actually yeah. knew my mom growing up, like my parents, and um, she like taught me Sunday school or something like that when I was little. I don't remember her, but it's just kind of mm. <laughs> it's like really sweet to have these. Uh, I don't know all these really cool ties. Yeah, we're all connected. I know. Yeah. And um, you guys, listen, her shirts are so soft and comfortable. They're like, it's like one of my favorite t-shirts that I have in my closet. Cause it's just so comfortable and flattering. Well, awesome. Thank you. Yes. I have the, all the things shirt and you have so like your company has blown up. It's crazy. You have so much support and so much just like 
I don't know, just really neat stuff going on. Yeah. So it's fun to follow along. Well, thank you. Thanks for your support. And yeah, it's been, it's been fun, fun to raise awareness and thankful for our awesome community. So absolutely. But we don't uh, have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's fine. Go back and listen to all of that. But right now we're going to talk about the Enneagram and how you yeah. are a six, which is so yes. cool. Um, so ones and sixes are actually a lot alike. Our motivations are different, mm-hmm. but our behavior can often look very similar. So maybe just take a second and remind us about what a six is. Um, yeah. So a six is known as the loyalist. Um, it, we are loyal to the core with our friends and our family. Um, but you know, we also are a little bit more fear-based and honestly, a little backstory. I mistyped myself for the first time. Um, when I first took the test, like five years ago, um, I typed myself as a two because I, the only thing I knew about the six is that it was fear-based and I was like, Oh, I don't want to be that. Like, that's not me. And so (laughs) the way I kind of took the quiz was the helper, um, which was a two. And, um, I didn't realize until probably a year ago when I really started reading more books and really started diving into it. I was like, okay, I am a six. And I came to terms with it. And now I'm proud to be a six, but, um, I think they get a bad rap for being, um, fearful. And, um, I think the great thing about the six is, is that even when you're afraid, we do it anyway. And so in a way, I think that we're one of the bravest ones because we do have that fear in us, but we also just power through it. Um, we like, we have an inner voice, whereas some people have like one voice, we have like a committee, they say. And so I'm constantly have like all these different voices. Um, I'm the queen of self-help books. I've tried to cut back because I like, I like other people's advice. I like to know I'm doing things right. I'm trying to learn to trust my own gut and I don't need to, you know, listen to everybody else. Um, there's a lot more I, I can share, but <laughs> yeah, no, and we'll, um, get, we'll get to all that for sure. Um, yeah. I think, so my mom is a six and so I've gotten mm-hmm. to, I feel like sixes are maybe, maybe next to fours are some of the most misunderstood types because you're very, mm-hmm. very encompassing. And actually, um, your episode, uh, as you're listening, Suzanne Stabile's episode has already aired and she has been on the record multiple times that she thinks that there are more sixes in the world than any other number, which is really mm. interesting. However, I have heard a lot of sixes say that they really don't want to be a six, that they read it mm. like, this does not sound good. I don't want to be this. And the most mistyped number for a American Christian women is two. So all of what you just said makes a ton uh-huh. of sense. Um, but I have a special affection for sixes since my mom is a six and I feel like I've mm. had the opportunity to understand you guys a little bit better. I love what you said about you guys being the bravest number and having uh, a committee in your head. Um, and I think that I've been able to have a lot of empathy for you guys since you are kind of born with this innate mistrust of yourself and others. Mm. Um so I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about that, about how you've been able to overcome that so far. I know you said you're still on that journey, but um, what has that looked like for you, especially when it comes to, to adoption? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't realize when I first was reading about it, how much I did mistrust others. But once I really kind of dove into it, I was like, yeah, that does sound about right. Like, I mean, it makes it sound like, again, you're not friendly or you're not. And I am like, I have a ton of friends. I am friendly, but I think at first I do kind of put up a wall. Um, I do wonder a ton, like how much of it we're born with and how much of it is, um, just life experiences when you're younger, like your childhood, like what kind of things where you are in birth order or, um, I had a, my brother died when I was 12. And, um, a lot of that, I wonder if, because I know worst case scenario can happen, like at a young age, a very formative age, 
so I think a lot of times in my life, I'm like, what's going to, you know, waiting for the ball to drop. <laughs> and that's kind of all why, like life has been good. Um, what's going to happen. And so I think that may be part of it too, is just things that happen. I don't even remember what you just asked me. Um, no, no, you're good. I was just mainly talking about the mistrust of yourself and the mistrust of others, but you actually reminded me, uh, so my husband is a three and threes go to six and grow in security, Mm -hmm. um, which is good and bad. It's great because he is very cautious and he's very protective of our family, but it drives me nuts. Cause like, I, I do not have a healthy fear of weather. I probably should, but like Mm. anytime there's a storm coming through, I just sit there while he like buzzes around the house, making all these preparations for the storm. That's probably not going to do anything. (laughs) Yes. uh, No, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because yes, my husband, and you may have seen this on my personal Facebook he was out of town in January and we had like a huge storm come through Texas and I hated that I was home alone with the kids. And so I literally <laughs> got in the car and went and stayed at my parents' house. And cause that's a place I remember growing up sheltering in their hallway. Yeah. And so me, a grown 37 year old woman, <laughs> because I don't, yeah, the tornado, it's the chaos. It's the, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I love storms. If I know it's just going to rain or it's just going to thunder. Right. I love that. But if there's a possibility of a tornado, like I just turn into this crazy person where I just need to like seek shelter. And yeah, I have this unhealthy fear of tornadoes. And I'm realizing that now more as I get older, that probably has to do with my six and this, the mistrust of chaos. But like you said, you guys get stuff done and you, I I feel like, um, you guys almost overcompensate for your mistrust of yourself and mistrust of others in the world by doing really big, scary things, which is really cool. Um, okay. So I'm interested in how, how do you think your type influenced your desire to adopt and, and kind of how you acted or behaved or did things throughout your adoption process? Um, so when I, when we began the adoption process at the time, I thought it was a two. And so I think if you asked me three years ago, I would have said, well, I'm a helper. And so this is my way is by being a foster parent, we want to help families however we can. Um, cause we did, I don't know if your audience knows, but we fostered and then adopted. Um, but the more I'm looking back and realizing kind of how the fear, um, I think we waited a little bit longer to adopt because of the fear of foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone, that's a normal fear, but just the fear of the bio parents, the fear of that everybody has, I think that held us back. We probably would have started earlier had I not have to, I just think through it all so much and process all the different options. And we, looked at international adoption, domestic. I mean, it just took us forever to research because um, I'm a researcher and I want to know all of the things and process it all before we <laughs> decide with right. which adoption you should. I mean, that's a normal thing that you should do. But um, but when we were fostering, I certainly had a ton of fear. I mean, I I still don't have like, um, you know, some people put like their kids uh, school sticker on the back of their car. Like I don't have that on the back of my car because I don't want people to know where I go to school or my kids go to school. Um, when we were fostering though, I mean, sixes are really prepared. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely felt like I always, and that was also a huge stressor when you're fostering, but you never know when CPS was going to come. You never know when someone's going to come. And so that stress of always making sure my house was perfect. That was really exhausting. Um, and then like little details of when my son would go on a visit with bio parents, I had two separate bags. I didn't want to accidentally like have something of mine in the bag that went with them. And so he had his own visitation diaper bag, you know, like everything was just so I'm just constantly thinking through every worst case scenario and every, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it sounds exhausting. All these ideas. It yeah, it is. It is <laughs> exhausting. It is. And I'm realizing that now more. <laughs> um, and I think that's why I talked about last time on the podcast, I did kind of have some post-adoption 
depression a little bit because I didn't realize how much I was holding in and how mm-hmm. much fear I was holding in for that whole year. Um, and then when it was all over, I was like, Oh my gosh, what just happened? Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of a, how it affected, I guess. And I'm still super private as far as, um, as far as the adoption side, um, you know, if you go to restoration threads, you will not see really any pictures of my kids or my son. Like I am really protective of his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that is just something that I think as adoptive parents, we should do, but also a lot of that is my sickness, my fear of, I don't know how he's going to handle his story. I don't know. So I'm just like over the top. Don't show his face. <laughs> don't show anything. So, um, I don't know if that's the six or just how God made me, but yeah, no, no, I think that, um, I don't know. That's super interesting because as you're, you know, I, as you're talking, of course, I'm, I'm thinking about how I view all of those situations. And like I said, at the beginning of this episode, um, something I've noticed is that ones and sixes have a lot of very similar behaviors, but the motivations are Mm -hmm. different. And so ones and sixes can both be really organized and really on top of things and really, um, you know, like deliberate in the way that they talk to people and, um, but I think that one thing is that you guys that I, that I actually really admire about sixes is that you guys research and then act bravely. And ones are afraid that without like, if, if I do the research, I might not act. So I'd rather not, I'd rather just act. Mm. So interesting. Um, I don't know. I think that the way you guys do it is much braver because you guys know all the facts and still do it. And ones are afraid of the facts and still do it. So. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just really cool to think about how, uh, like I said, our behavior can look the same, but motivations mm-hmm. is different. And that's what the Enneagram is all yes. about is motivation. So yes. how do you think that, you know, kind of like bringing it post adoption, you know, your home is you're, you're finalized and all of that stuff. How do you think that your sickness influences your parenting now? Um, for sure. I am a very protective, uh, parent actually this morning it was funny it was raining our kids are at a day camp today um and they're doing the temperature checks and all that so don't worry (laughs) everyone but um it was pouring down rain and I had my kids in rain jackets and that was like I posted on Facebook and some friends were laughing because they're like oh my gosh I didn't think about rain jackets but I think this that like everything went through my head you know what do you need what do you so it's constantly just probably being overly prepared yeah yeah um to a fault I'm not saying it's the best thing um, and then also, um, we're constantly talking through everything and I see it in my kids. I mean, like my oldest and I think my third are definitely also probably possible sixes because they constantly want to know every scenario and they're spontaneous and they're fun and sixes can be that. So I don't want to make it sound like, like we do all kinds of fun things, but even in those adventures, constantly talking through, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And then we're going to do this. And then we're like kind of a constant monologue. And my oldest is a verbal processor. And so he's always asking questions and I've had to learn to help him be more like, Hey buddy, I I just don't know. Like sometimes I just don't know the answer, (laughs) but they just want to always know, I guess what's next and how can we be prepared? And so as a parent, I'm trying to find that balance of, you know, if there are six, that's great, but I don't want to like put that on them. You know, Mm -hmm. I want them to be who they are and not create added stress, I guess, to them. Yeah. How do you think Um, that you translate that fear? Um, I mean, from what could be putting negative fears onto them or, I mean, not negative fears, but you know, just like, like unnecessary fears. How do you translate that into a healthy fear and especially just a fear in light of Jesus and God? Um, how do you, how do you rectify that with your parenting? Um, I think just, yeah, really leaning in, um, 
on kind of goes back to the whole self-help books and to the whole like listening to all these inner monologues and inner voices like who are who is the true voice who is the one person that we need to be listening to and for me I need to be focusing on that you know at the end of the day God is the one that I answer to and he's the one I need to be listening to and same with my kids like you know um that's kind of a hard question, but <laughs> yeah, and I asked <laughs> just having that thing. And we have a, well, we have those conversations a lot too, like just trying to implement Jesus and all of those conversations, just weaving it into every day. Um, but making sure, yeah, all these things are great, but God is in control. He is sovereign. And I can come up with every stinking scenario that I want. Like I did when fostering, you know, but I had to remind myself, God loves my kids more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And he's got this and just kind of letting it go. Um, which is easier said than done, but yeah. So my next question was going to be, um, how do you, how does your sickness, sickness relate with sickness? sickness? <laughs> <laughs> it could be that too. The That's why I laughed. Sorry. Six, no. no, sorry. <laughs> six. Uh, relate with your kids' personalities. And I know you said that a couple of them you think might be sixes, which is entirely possible because apparently there's a ton mm-hmm. of them out there. But also mm-hmm. I, I really have been interested to hear this from other guests. Um, that how like which kid do you struggle the most with and why do you think that is in light of the Enneagram? Oh man. Um I mean, my kids are all still pretty little. They're eight, six, five, and two. So they're just now really like my oldest two are kind of coming into the personalities and figuring out, you know, what makes them tick, especially during this quarantine. You know, I've learned a ton about them, trying to figure out their love languages, um, because they all just need different things throughout it. Like one just really needs hugs and one really needs affirmation. Um, So I don't know that one I necessarily have the hardest time with. I think, um, and they're going to hear this someday, so maybe (laughs) be careful. Definitely my oldest daughter, I just probably have a harder time. I haven't figured out quite yet. And probably because she might be a lot more like me than I realize. Mm. Um, but trying to figure out, you know, what she needs, I guess her love language is one I probably haven't quite figured out yet, but, um, again, they're all little, so we're all just kind of trying to figure out where we are. Um, I don't know at what age is best to, and you, you know, I don't really want to type them yet either. And they say that with Enneagram, like, don't, you shouldn't type people. Sure, and you, sure. so I have a hard time with that too. Like I don't want to already be typing them out. So I don't think I answered your question. No, no, no. It's interesting the way you answered it. I think that actually you answered it very six-like. Um, you're like cautious <laughs> to say anything. But um, mm-hmm. I've noticed, too, I've asked that question of, uh, I think, almost all of the guests that I've interviewed so far. Um, and it's always like the, their answer is always the person who or the kid who acts the most opposite of them. So like you're following my five interview and um, mm. and I've actually already recorded it. So um like they, they both said, because fives really struggle with, um, with outward expressions of emotions. And so both of them said that their most emotional child is the one they struggle with the most because they don't understand and can't relate. Mm. So it just made me wonder if maybe your like most fearless child is like the one that you struggle more with or the most, like the, the one that most yeah. connects with others. I don't know though. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a six, but I know that for my mom, who is a six, that was one of her big struggles is when any of us would, was acting irrationally or mm-hmm. um, she couldn't prepare herself for what we might do, uh, that that's when she really struggled the most. No, that makes sense. And I'm, I'm a question asker, like again, with the processing and I'm constantly asking questions. And so, um, my oldest that I was talking about, she, 
isn't one to necessarily ask all the questions. So that's probably a lot of it too. Like I want, I don't know what she's thinking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to know like, what are you thinking? So, um, maybe that's why, but I don't know. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, see. Yeah. So what is your husband's Enneagram number? He is a nine. Um, I know. Yes. And so we're both nines because he goes to three in stress and to six in health. And I'm sixes go to three in stress and nine in health. So it's funny to see how we have the same three. Um, so yeah, he's a peacemaker. He, um, I mean, he's awesome. And he, he's been learning more about this too with me. Um, but he's an eight wing. So he's still like a, he's a really good leader. Cause some of the things I read about the nines, you know, same with sixes, you, you read things about it and you're like, Oh, I don't like that. But like some of the nine things saying they're like a sloth or late. I mean, he's certainly not those things, but he's got the eight wings. So he definitely has a ton of leadership in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I love that about him. Yeah. And so I, I was reading that, like, so if I'm a nine in health, um, when I'm at my best, you know, we really are a really good pair, the two of us, you know, just pretty peaceful, chill people. So yeah. Which is great. How do you yeah. think, so I guess it influences your marriage positively, which is great. How do you think that you two mm. work together in your numbers to parent your kids and specifically with your adopted kid? Uh, oh man. Um, I mean, yeah, he's just really good at, I guess, keeping the peace, I could say, you know, like when I do get, um, exhausted or he's the one that comes in at the end of the day after work and helps kind of get everything together with the kids. Um, you know, he doesn't like conflicts, which a lot of nines don't, um, which can be good and bad, you know, because yeah. sometimes you need to have the conflicts. Um, as far as parenting, I mean, that's a hard one. Um, yeah, he's just going to keep in the peace with the kids. I mean, he's a very just chill, solid, found, I don't know, has a good foundation. So that's great. Um, yeah. No, that sounds actually just like <laughs> really tranquil and nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's fun and spontaneous and, you know, but I think he can because they do go to um, sixes and unhealth. And so sometimes I think, you know, struggle with anxiety and all that, you know, so between the two of us. Um, so it kind of is a miracle when I think about the fact that we did foster care and adoption, you know, like when we both kind of struggle yeah. with that. Um, I'm glad, you know, we powered through that. Yeah. One cool thing um, that Suzanne said was that the world right now in the current state, like where it's at, the world needs sixes and nines more than anyone else because they're the ones mm. that see the common good and that, that they work toward that. So um, I think that that's really cool and encouraging. And I have another uh, couple friend that's a six, nine pairing and they're like, yes, we rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, even just seeing my husband, just like he go, he goes to nine in stress and six in security. Um, and it is really interesting because when he's one of those, it's, it's very like, it, I don't know, just as a one, it's really interesting to watch that happen. Cause I think that we are both the opposite of chill. So to see you two be <laughs> super chill pairing is really, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting combination. It's, it's really cool to look at all the different pairings and how they relate with each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and my last question that I've been asking and that, um, I'm so interested in, it's my favorite one is how do you think that your sickness, <laughs> uh, influences <laughs> your needs as a mom and a wife and everything else, like your real needs? Yeah. Um, I think because we do have the monologue and I have constantly all these different 
you know, every scenario I go into, I'm weighing all the options, <laughs> everything that could go wrong, everything that could go right. You know, it's all not just negative. It's also all the good things that can happen. But I think for me, and now I never realized like, cause I love the um, five love languages mm-hmm. and one of mine is words of affirmation. And so like as a teacher, when kids write me a note, I kept that note forever. My kids, I mean, I just, I don't ever throw away notes. My husband writes me a note, I keep it. And I didn't realize that that was, those probably go together. I'd be yeah. interested to do a study on that, but, um, I need that words of affirmation. It's almost like I need someone else's voice coming into me and saying, Hey, you're doing a good job. Like I see you. And yeah. you know, especially being a stay at home mom with all the kids. I mean, right now, like it's just so hard. And so when someone else recognizes that, and so my husband is really good at, that's what I need from him is saying, Hey, I see what you're doing. I know that's hard. I recognize that. Um, or you made a good decision. <laughs> I know that was a hard decision for you and you made a decision. Um, and yeah. So I think for sure those go together as far as parenting and being a mom. Let's see if I, I, had, I did, I took notes before I came, but of course you did. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> you had to be prepared. and I am an over processor. And so I think that is hard. Like I need, I just need more time sometimes to think through things. So, um, yeah, I can't make quick decisions. Um, the other day, this isn't really about parenting, but do you have time for a story? Sure. <laughs> a quick story. Lay it on us. I was at, okay. I was at a coffee shop with my sister, and I saw a former student. And it's been eight years. I taught high school, and I swear it was her. But it had been eight years. Didn't know if it was her, um, but it looked just like her. And I had like a thirty-second time slot to decide. And I really wanted to go up to her and be like, "Hey, are you so and so?" You know. And um, but in those 30 seconds, the amount of thought that went through my head, like, Oh, but if it's not her, I'm going to freak her out. But if it is her, blah, blah, blah. End of the day, I didn't do it because all these thoughts are in my head. Whereas probably another number would have just been like, Hey, are you so-and-so? And I didn't. Um, so I was kicking myself. So then of course I found her on Facebook, messaged her and was like, Hey, were you a black coffee the other day? And she was, it was her. And I was so mad. Like I missed out on that blessing because all these dumb thoughts are in my head. But it was a lesson learned. Like next time, what was the worst case scenario? They said no and they walked away. Like, you know, um, so trying to train myself, what really is the worst case scenario? And I should have just, you know, said hi. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I love, I love stories that are like, I don't know, that are kind of the epitome of your number. So I don't know. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, and I've loved learning about just our, how it influences our needs as moms. Cause I think that not, not everyone is equal. And that's what I love about the Enneagram is that we're able to see each other better and say like, Oh, my two friend really needs to hear this or really needs this mm-hmm. to recharge or my six friend or whatever. And that's why I've, I've really enjoyed all the answers to this question because they've all been so different, which is really cool. Yeah. But are you cool with moving into some of these closing questions? Sure. <laughs> okay. What is the most overtly six thing about you? Um, besides being, I think I am a loyal friend. Um, but I saw a thing the other day and it made me laugh a meme on, um, a car clicker. So you have like the lock and the unlock button and it's like Enneagram six, their lock button is worn out. Um, because they pushed it so much more than the unlock side. Anyway, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's totally my, cause I'm the one that like, I lock it a million times. It's almost like a, OCD thing, but I'm constantly the door locked as my purse put away. Um, so just constantly playing all the scenarios out. That's hilarious. That's my, my mom is the same way. And I still remember. So when I was growing up, we lived in Springfield, Missouri, and I guess there was this serial 
I, I don't know, rapist or something. I don't know. But he was like, this, this is like really dark and twisted and I don't mean it to be that way, but he was hiding <laughs> under women's cars and then he would like, mm. like, like slash their Achilles tendon before they got in the car. Like this, this took a really dark turn either way. I still, that was 15 years ago and I still like leap out of my car because my mom put the fear yeah. of God in me about this guy going around in Springfield, Missouri, 15 years ago. Um, yes. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I still, and she's like, you get in the car, you lock your door, you get in the car, you lock your door, like all the things mm-hmm. that drilled into us. And it, it cracks me up to hear you saying the same thing. And you don't even know my mom. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite and least favorite thing about being a six? Um, for sure the least favorite is just I didn't realize how exhausting it was. And I didn't I'm so thankful I've learned more about it because it really has helped me recognize myself more. Um, but yeah, having all those thoughts all the time, it's tiring. Um, so trying to learn to rest in God and rest my thoughts there and not, you know, put away those inner voices. Um so that is the least, the favorite. Um, I love the loyalist part. I love it. That I'm so thankful. That's the name they gave us. Not like the fear, yeah. <laughs> the, the scared one. Like, you know, it makes me happy to know that. Yeah. I do think I'm a loyal friend. And, um, once I'm your friend, you got me for life. So I'm thankful for that part of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What do you wish that every six mom knew about her number going into adoption? Um, I think just being careful not to type ourselves, like, a, you know, kind of like how I purposely took the quiz, um, to be a two, because <laughs> I didn't want to be a six because that, I just heard that was the fearful one. And I was like, well, I don't want to be that. Um, so knowing that, um, don't let that be an excuse, I guess, um, it's kind of, and kind of like what I said before, I think being a six and you still do it can still make you one of the bravest people. It's doing it scared anyway. And so you can still do foster care. You can still adopt, even if you're afraid. And, um, I mean, those, when we were doing that, I never felt closer to God because I was really leaning on him because you had to, because I was so out of control. Like I, you literally can't control anything when it comes to adoption. And so, um, I'm thankful that it brought me closer to him. So I would just say, do it anyway, do it scared. Um, so I don't know if that's good advice or not, but <laughs> just don't let that. Yeah. Don't let that keep you from it. I love that. Do it scared. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. What is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for Enneagram six moms on this side of adoption? Um, probably this, I think just owning it, like kind of like with before I said, not letting it define you, but in the same way, owning who you are. And that, um, I heard recently too, about like, you know, there's a million different color. There's, I don't know how many colors in the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue. I don't know, like seven colors in the rainbow, but there's a million different shades of blue a million different shades of red. And so just like with people with the Enneagram, they're like, well, there's only nine types and how can that, you know, define everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many different shades of sixes and so many different shades of ones like you are. And so, um, just because someone else is a six doesn't mean you're just like them. And so owning it and just learning who you are within that number, um, you know, and I love that I'm a six as far as being adoptive mom, because I am weighing all the scenarios for my son. I'm doing the research. I'm doing all the books and the podcasts. Like I want to be the best version of his mom that I can be. So when he does start asking questions, he's only two and a half. So when he is asking things, I want to be prepared for that. And so in a way it's a blessing because I do feel like I'm working on an adoption book for him. So we can look at pictures and he can, you know, know his story. So it's a good thing too. It's not a curse. (laughs) And I do feel prepared for when he needs to know the things, you know, I'm going to be there for him 
with all the voices. <laughs> Girl, so. I love all those answers. Like, what an encouragement. Yeah. It's just really cool to be like, hey, like, there are negative aspects of every number, but like to be able to find the joy and the strengths is just really cool. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed learning about sixes. Thank you so much. And for everyone, um, we are ending this episode now, but if you are a Patreon supporter, you're going to get to hear Haley answer some fun questions coming up. But until then, tell us where we can find you, Haley and Restoration Threads. Um, so Restoration Threads is on Instagram and Facebook. So just search for it. You should find it. And then um, RestorationThreads.com um, is where the t-shirts are. And I've got all the um, organizations that we featured and different resources for books. It's chock full of information. So RestorationThreads.com. Thanks Fun for stuff. that plug. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.